Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the A to Z of Tech podcast. As always, I'm your host Louise Taggart and firstly, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to my new co-host for this series, Shreya Gopal. Hi Louise, thank you so much. I'm really excited to join the series and I'm looking forward to our discussions. So now, given the unusual situation we all currently find ourselves in due to the COVID-19 pandemic, this episode of the podcast is going to be slightly different from most of our previous episodes. Not least, actually, in fact, because we're all recording this virtually from our respective homes and are therefore ourselves an example of how technology is supporting new ways of working. So for this episode, we're pausing on our tech alphabet and instead we'll take a look at a wider tech landscape and discuss the speed of change during the COVID-19 pandemic. We've got some really brilliant PwC guests and we'll be looking in particular in two areas where your hosts specialize, cybersecurity and supply chains. So Shreya, I'm sure you'll agree that life has obviously changed in a number of ways in the past few weeks. So we're going to explore some topics like the emergence of new challenges, how trends are changing, and thinking about how tech is changing the future of work for everyone even faster than before. To discuss these topics, we're joined on this episode of the podcast by Sheetal Vias, who is a director in PwC's disruption team, Gabriel Curry, who is a senior manager in our cybersecurity team, and finally, Penny Flint, a director in our third party risk management team. So without further ado, Shreya, I will hand back over to you to introduce our first guest. Sheetal, it's really great to have you here today. COVID-19 has changed all of our lives. Outside of our current situation with COVID, what are some of the technology trends that you see changing our lives? Sure. Well, firstly, thank you, Shreya and Louise, for inviting me here today to talk. Um, COVID-19 is broadly accelerating existing trends that we see, but we also think it's creating new avenues for new trends to, to take off. You know, what we've been experiencing the past few weeks is an experiment into a kind of radically new normality. And we don't know how it's going to pan out um, over the next few weeks and months and even years. Um, but what we do know is that there are going to be some, some fundamental shifts. And it's likely that we'll probably see a number of different normals, um, a number of different um, scenarios that, that pan out. I think COVID-19 has kind of amplified the pace of change on some existing trends. So we've all seeing it today in this podcast through remote working, also through show, social media. We're seeing us connecting to our friends and family in a very different way. Um, and it's also creating some momentum, I think, emerging trends. So, you know, we're looking to see kind of globally, we're seeing, I think, a more protectionist state economy. That's so true, Sheetal. Not only are the technology trends changing our lives, but also non-tech trends are influencing our lives. You mentioned emerging technologies. What are some of these emerging technologies that you see? Yeah, so um, I think we're seeing, we're seeing advances in a number of different technologies that we've been tracking over time. So PwC has a view. So pre-COVID, PwC analyzed, I think, over 250 technology trends and came up with a view of the kind of, we call it the essential eight. You can see them on our website. These are the core technologies that we think matter most for business across every industry over the next, say, three to five 
years. So this essential eight of technologies includes these building blocks for businesses. Um, so things like artificial intelligence, of course, advances in augmented and virtual reality, blockchain, drones, internet of things, robotics, and finally 3D printing. And what we've seen in the midst of this crisis is some really amazing and innovative ways in which this technology can be used to help solve some of the problems that we're facing. Thanks, Sheetal. Some of the emerging technologies that you've mentioned have been covered as a part of this podcast as well. And there are definitely some of the, some of the things that you mentioned that I'm personally exploring. Um, in your work with the disruption team, are there any technologies that have been boosted or maybe suppressed uh, given the COVID-19 situation? And also, what are, what are some of the changes that you expect to see in this space that you wouldn't otherwise expect? So I think we've seen multiple, but I just want to touch upon a few that have caught my attention. The first, I think, that is particularly interesting is the role of 3D printing. Now, 3D printing has been around for for decades, in fact, um, and they haven't really taken off in the way that they were originally predicted. There was a huge desire um, for there to be a kind of 3D printer in everyone's home. This kind of consumer 3D printing model was something that was um, predicted, and that hasn't happened. But what we have been seeing recently is examples of where 3D printers can be used to help us solve the global ventilator shortage that has been happening. And we've seen the use of them come out through necessity, really. In Italy, we've seen um, in the early stages, doctors using 3D printers to help create ventilators. And this just wouldn't have happened before. Pre-COVID, this wouldn't have happened. There wasn't a, a necessity to do it. But with a 3D printer, you've got the ability to create something that is bespoke within your immediate surroundings. And effectively, you have a much less um, kind of dominant reliance on global supply chains. Other examples, um, of course, uh, artificial intelligence and data analytics. Things like you know, using artificial intelligence to help read CT scans at scale. You know, that can take the time used to analyze that scan from 95 minutes down to just 20 seconds. So if you're able to use that type of technology at a early stage of, a, of, of an epidemic, could it be used to help um, limit the number of cases that arise because you've been able to identify cases earlier? Um, other technology, AI-assisted drones to help detect people with high body temperature. We're seeing a rise in the use of that, even although it's been um, not fully tested yet, but even we've seen people using audio samples of coughs um, and using AI to see if there's a, uh, uh, an ability to identify those with symptoms um, or those who are not. And I think the use of AI um, in various aspects, as I've covered now, uh, could potentially help limit future um, epidemics from becoming pandemics in, in going forward. The medical examples that you've mentioned, Sheetal, are so interesting and so applicable to our day-to-day -day lives. Um, the pandemic has definitely changed our response to work, both how we work and how we will maybe work in the future. Do you see an impact on how technology will change our lives? And more importantly, will we be able to keep up? Yes, completely. I think what this pandemic has shown is that the, it's put a real spotlight um, and acceleration on digital maturity. And I think companies are, uh, are undertaking and possibly being pushed to as a consequence of this 
pandemic, digital transformation. It's highlighted um, that if you're not a digitally enabled company, then it, it can be much slower for you to, to respond to the needs when everyone had to go to remote working pretty much overnight here in the UK. You know, there were companies that were unable to do that because they weren't sufficiently tech enabled. Thank you, Sheetal. Um, and on that topic of rapid tech transformation and working from home, I am delighted to be joined by our second guest, Gabriel Curry, who is from our cybersecurity team here at PwC. Um, so, Gabe, we've heard a little bit there from Sheetal about how COVID-19 is creating challenges, but also at the same time creating opportunities in the wider tech landscape. How are you seeing this being reflected in the cybersecurity space at the minute? Um, I know that one thing that immediately springs to mind for me personally is the wider proliferation of people now working from home. Um, so, you know, pre-COVID, I myself, I only worked from home a day a week, maybe, and now it's become the norm. Um, so it'd be great to get your insights from a cybersecurity perspective on, on how things are being affected. Hi, Louise. Uh, yeah, and thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, really interesting question. I think there are a couple of immediate impacts that spring to mind, uh, one of which obviously you just mentioned. So loads of people are now working from home and there's perhaps not a lot else to do um, apart from stay at home. Uh, so people are spending a lot more time online and are also really, really reliant on technology. So that obviously has a huge cybersecurity impact. Uh, because it means that that technology all of a sudden becomes way more critical for us and also for the organizations that we work for. Also, uh, lots of organizations are struggling at the moment, um, be that financially or operationally. Um, and that means that a lot of organizations might be looking to prioritize their operations over things like security that they might, uh, I would argue, wrongly see as optional. Um, and then also, uh, obviously, because of the impacts of COVID, we're seeing increased absence rates from the workforce. So people are uh, staying at home in isolation or off sick. And that decreased, uh, that, that leads to a decreased efficiency in the workforce, which can obviously impact security as well. Interesting. So there's actually a bit of a combination of factors at play there. Um, so as you mentioned, if we are maybe seeing what we would traditionally class as cyber good practices potentially falling by the wayside or being uh, being less of a priority as both ourselves as individuals and also organisations are becoming much more technologically dependent than we were previously. What sort of things do we as individuals or even actually organisations themselves need to be thinking about to improve our cybersecurity postures? Sure. So I think there's broadly three things to think about which are equally applicable to organisations and to people. So the first of those is to secure the newly implemented remote working practices that everybody has now adopted, both as an individual and as an organisation. So as an individual working from home, there are lots of things that I need to be aware of about my own personal cybersecurity. Um, so if you're in a uh, if you're in a shared house, for example, you might want to make sure that you know you can't be overheard when you're on confidential calls with people. 
um, or if um, you are uh, using your email much more, then you might want to make sure that you are securing that. Or if you're using new technology, like you're using a laptop for the first time, that you're properly securing that. Um, or if you've got new uh, accounts for cloud services, which your organization has provided for you, you want to make sure that you are using strong usernames and passwords. Secondly, another key thing to think about is ensuring the continuity of organizations' critical security functions. So perhaps slightly less relevant for individuals and more focused on organizations. But basically, organizations need to make sure that all of the security functions that they had pre-COVID are still operating just as effectively uh, during the current situation. And then finally, uh, countering opportunistic threats that are looking to take advantage of the situation. So uh, as an individual, I think the key thing to remember is that um, lots of attackers will be looking to take advantage of this by doing things like sending phishing emails. And those phishing emails might have uh, COVID or coronavirus themes to them. So they might be offering vaccines or home testing kits or face masks, or just some kind of theme that looks to kind of grab your attention in the current situation. Um, and typically they'll want to do something like get you to click on a link or open an attachment. So you just need to be really vigilant when you're looking at emails and you know broadly, if it looks too good to be true, then often it is. But there's some really great advice available online about uh, how you can look to improve your own personal cybersecurity and uh, you know spot phishing emails and that kind of thing effectively. So uh, the government runs a website called Get Safe Online, uh, or alternatively, uh, the National Cybersecurity Center publishes loads of really great guidance for organizations. So have a look at those to find out more. Brilliant. Those are great recommendations, Gabe, I think. Um, and then just finally, given it seems that some of these different ways of working are probably becoming more like the norm in the future, um, what sort of implications do you think these might have in the longer term, Gabe, for cybersecurity and how we, we operate? Yeah, sure. So I think um, one of the key things that we're going to see is that organizations change what they mean when they say that they're resilient. So typically we've talked about resilience in terms of, you know, can you respond to kind of short term shocks? Um, and actually, there's going to be a much greater focus on resilience for organizations. So it's going to be a much bigger deal. Things like uh, con business continuity management and disaster recovery and, uh, you know, basically being able to maintain your operations, whatever, uh, you know, life and the world is kind of throw at individuals and, uh, and organizations. So I think there's going to be a much greater focus on resilience. And then also, I think we're probably going to see uh, a large scale adoption or an even larger scale adoption than we currently have of cloud computing. Because organizations will want to ensure that they're able to function in this kind of environment in you know, a remote working scenario or basically operate as flexibly as, as they need to. So we'll look, we'll basically see organizations moving away from kind of big legacy kind of data centers and infrastructure and IT and trying to become a lot more agile, kind of move everything into the cloud where it's scalable and responsive to, to, to what they actually require of it. Great, thank you very much for your insights there. I think really valuable getting your thoughts into the nature of some of these changing threats we're seeing given the COVID context. Our final guest here today is Penny Flint. Penny, thank you for joining us. Um, Penny is here today to explore with us how relationships that we rely on, our other businesses, our supply chains have come under tremendous stress in this recent months. Uh, Penny, what are your thoughts on how supply chains are coping given the current environment? 
Yeah, thanks, Shreya. Um, I mean, we're seeing a huge variety with regards to how supply chains are currently coping. And, you know, it continues um, to change every single day. Um, I mean, you know, firms have never been so reliant on third parties to have the correct technology in place to manage um, the supply chain and to continue to deliver those critical services through to firms. Um, I mean, to give you an example, if you consider a contact centre, you know, which, which operate across a vast majority of industries, you know, you, you might be phoning up to check on your bank statement, you know, to, to buy an insurance product, and you're doing that through a contact centre. Now, a contact centre, very often, you know, whoever you bank with, whatever insurance product that you're buying, you know, they very often outsource those services free to a third party, even though, you know, they're, they're still branded as your bank or an insurance firm. Um, for those for those uh, types of third parties and contact centres, you know, they're very traditionally uh, all work in office environments. So for the first time, you know, we're seeing contact centres trying to work remotely. Um, and I was I was chatting to an insurance firm just the other other day and they'd acquired uh, 5,000 laptops in order to facilitate this uh, working from home. But in actual fact, what they found is some of their policy administration uh, software was was too old and it wouldn't function on this brand new shiny laptop. So they weren't able to you know, get people working and then they had to go back and they had to do a, you know, a bit of a, a rethink. Penny, the contact centers example is so relevant, uh, definitely resonates well with me. It almost seems like most of the organizations and third parties in our supply chains need to think absolutely differently about technology. What's your view on that? Yes, I think, I mean, yes, I think that's right. Um, I mean, you know, the big question where this sort of the dialogue has moved on now and, and people are beginning to think around what happens when the supply chain turns on, you know, what happens, you know, when we start to come out the other side of COVID-19 and how can we support with that? You know, just to give you a sort of real life example, I was chatting with um, a motor insurance firm and they're anticipating an increase in motor claims um, by as much as 20% as as we all get back into our cars and we all learn how to drive again, you know, they're expecting an increase. You know, they're trying to think through, well, how can I use technology um to support and to you know utilize third parties to help me with my booking um forms currently a lot of that's done manually so they're trying to think through you know different types of technology um, and different third parties they can use who provide that technology to help them with capacity planning as an example rather than trying to do it manually um and you know they're obviously looking at those types of technology because to continue to build onto that example, you know if you can support with capacity planning, that's going to support you with cost management as well. And you know that's crucial in the current in the current market. Um, you know I, I'd also add, and one of the previous guests mentioned around the acceleration in cloud as well. You know I think a lot of additional firms I've spoken to very much thinking around how they could transform and how they could accelerate those programs of work um, to be able to deal better um, with the crisis. So, yes, um, you know, I don't think everyone keeps saying at the moment, you know, we won't go back to how things were or, you know, before. And I think particularly with regards to supply chain and the use of technology to manage that, I think that's very true. Sheetal, Gabe and Penny, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Um, if I turn back to you briefly, Sheetal, if you could leave, a, leave us with a final thought or maybe some suggestions on where listeners can find out more on some of these topics that we've covered. Thanks, Louise. Um, yes, so I guess as a final thought, um, I do think that you know everything that we've covered in this in this podcast is is hugely connected and you know our ability for um, companies to respond to solve you know these really immediate problems is going to be transformed if we are able to to look beyond um, the kind of practices that we've used previously and and we embrace um, and we can kind of envisage you know what the future could look like with um, the adoption of of, of of the emerging technologies and the collisions with these various trends we've talked about in the future. So I think it's we're at a pivotal moment right now where we can shape our future and we can shape it to what we want it to be part of. Absolutely. I think that's a message that really resonates, actually. So that just leaves me to say a huge thank you to all of our guests for joining us on this slightly makeshift podcast today. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LouTagTech. And Shreya, I believe that you're also on Twitter too. Yeah, Louise, I can be found at Shreya Gop. Brilliant, thank you. And a final reminder to listeners to like, rate and subscribe to this series. And we look forward to bringing you the next episode in our podcast.